Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, we are talking the Jeff Petrie dilemma. Is it worth keeping him? What can we expect in a trade? Where could he go in a trade? All that and more inside today's show. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 899 of Locked On Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week, wherever you get your daily podcast, whether that be Google, Apple, Spotify, or right here on YouTube, if you are watching our shining faces on this Sunday morning. And my co-host and I are we're kind of going fingers crossed here, because the last time we recorded an episode on a Sunday morning... Kent Hughes was part of a three-way trade that ended up being actually one of our most popular emergency episodes we've ever done. So thank you so much for your support on that. I haven't introduced myself. I am your host. I am Scott Matlin. I'm joined, as always, by my fantastic co-host, the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, like I said, we're not not hoping for a trade, but like maybe let make it let it wait a day so we don't have to record like two and a half episodes in one day again this time. I think last time it was it kind of came out of nowhere, and I really like that. I know it's it, it was a little bit uh, inconvenient for podcasters who'd already put their episode to bed in the morning, uh, but I think one of the things that I really liked is how kind of out of nowhere it came. Like it's been a weird time with this front office because the Kirby Doc trade was like it shocked everybody, right? But then they're for whatever reason, whoever they pick is 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 getting spoiled by the media. Like there's some leaks, but it seems like this front office would prefer to remain discreet um, and keep their cards close to the chest. And I think it's not too. Uh, I think it's it's not. You don't have to look too far to find out where in the organization the leaks are coming from. Uh, but I just I really like that Kent Hughes has been moving like sort of behind the scenes and. Uh, really working hard to make the Canadians the beneficiary of other people's business. Yeah, it's in the a lot of these trades are that he is cleaning off cap space in some situations. And it's funny is that I have cap friendly up in the background here and I'm looking at this three way trade. You know, he got rid of two contracts that they didn't really have space for in the forward group. Obviously added to Smith, added uh, Legere, added a second round pick, added Petrie with, with salary retained from Pittsburgh. He added less than a million dollars in cap space, whereas the Sharks, who gave up the biggest asset in this, got one first round pick and added another $2.2 million in cap. And Pittsburgh somehow lost $3 million in this deal, which is impressive work. But the biggest thing about this trade, and I think, one of the things that I've just been kind of sitting and lingering on for a week because I can't really figure this out is how did Jeff Petrie agree to this because he has a no trade clause and that means one of two things. He never updated it when he left Montreal thinking, ah, they're never going to trade me back to Montreal based on the way things went when I left. Or like I said, he just didn't assume they were ever going to trade back for him based on the way the exit went there, which 
I'm not I'm surprised he's back, but I'm also not surprised. There was a quote from Arpen Basu uh last year before the trade it was back in I think it was April before you know the offseason began that he wouldn't close the door on a return to Montreal. He would talk to his family. Obviously, they added another kid in the meantime. And I wouldn't be I wouldn't be unsurprised if he sticks around this season, even for a little bit, and then they flip him at some point during it with salary retained. But the whole thing's kind of weird because there's still portions of this fan base who think that Jeff Petrie was never any good, like because he had bad plus minus or he's bad defensively, or they're still mad about him not coming to the defense of Samuel Montembeau, which we've talked about a lot. It's it's something. I I I'm very surprised that it was Jeff Petrie. I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been shocked with the Canadian sending two forwards out if they had taken on a Grandland or somebody else there and Petrie went to San Jose. But Laura, based on the way things ended the first time, do you think we'll see Jeff Petrie even arrive at training camp for the Canadians this year based on the way things ended last time? Uh, I think the chances are slim. One of the big reasons isn't even Jeff Petrie related at all. It's that it doesn't solve the problem that the Montreal Canadiens have is that they have a lot of prospects that they need to start moving into the NHL. And they got rid of Joel Edmondson. And we talked about, you know, this is going to be, uh, an, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be an opportunity for a young player, for a rookie to come and prove themselves. Maybe it's a chance to see who has chemistry with Caden Gooley or, you know, something like that. And this doesn't really solve that problem. Uh, this kind of, you know, it, it literally replaces that problem with just a different player, uh, a better player for sure. Um, and also it's, I don't know if it's like necessarily based on the way that he left Montreal, but rather based on the way that he played in Pittsburgh, I think that's a big thing. Like he did not have a good year in Pittsburgh. Like, let's all talk about that. Like, let's admit that Like he, he was much better in Montreal. Um, and I don't think Pittsburgh got the player they thought they were getting when they traded uh, Mike Matheson for Jeff Petrie and Ryan Paling. Essentially, the Canadians got Mike Matheson for Ryan Paling, which is, uh, you know, and not only that, Mike Matheson, Ryan Paling, and 25% less of, of Jeff Petrie's salary, which was it 25%, 15%? 25% is what Pittsburgh is. And here's the thing is, Ryan Paling isn't even a Pittsburgh Penguin anymore. He's a Philadelphia Flyer because he wasn't qualified. There you go. And the thing about Petrie season is the Penguins as a whole were a team that really struggled to figure themselves out last year. And they're banking on Eric Carlson for the next two to three years, however long his contract is going for, to be a driving force and keeping that Crosby, Malkin, Latang window open for another potential cup run. And I don't think Petrie could have given them that in this current situation, not with the way Ron Hextall, what Ron Hextall did to that team there, which is its whole own other thing here. Petrie wasn't great, but I still think he's a perfectly cromulent addition to a good defensive or a good defensive setup there, which is why, and we'll talk about this in our next segment. I haven't shut the door entirely on, Hey, Jeff Petrie is a Montreal Canadian again is not the worst thing we've ever seen, but there's some finagling that needs to go with that. Pittsburgh as a whole was a very weird team last year, one that just did never put anything together consistently. And we look at their run down the stretch. They lost to the Habs three times over the course of the season in and more and more. They would have made the playoffs. 
Yeah, and if they didn't lose to the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets and et cetera, they were a team that did not do what they needed to. And that is not all entirely on Jeff Petrie, but you look at this big trade where Matheson was a good Pittsburgh Penguin. He is now a great Montreal Canadian, and it just didn't work out in their favor with what Ron Hextall did. I think there is some value in a player like Jeff Petrie, maybe not the first pairing guy that he was in Montreal. And he was a first pairing guy based on how often Shea Weber was injured. That's not really up for debate. I'm just curious if other teams have that same look around him, even if Ken Hughes is retaining salary. And I guess our next thing is we're in our next segment, we're going to debate, is it worth keeping him? What do we have to do to keep Jeff Petrie in this lineup or you know, are we shipping him right back out the door in the coming weeks here? We're going to get into all of that and more coming up in our next segment. But first, football season is about to kick off. The preseason is underway and FanDuel is giving you chances to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every game that they win. You can use those bonus bets on betting the spread player props, who's going to throw the first touchdown, who's who's going to rush for over 100 yards, the over-under, and so much more on an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use that allows you to get paid out instantly. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. And as always, please remember to gamble responsibly when you bet online. We are back here at Lockdown Canadians, and we've kind of come to the point that there are two camps of people that I that are still debating this trade because there's not much else happening in hockey unless you want to talk about hockey player weddings. Do the Canadians keep Jeff Petrie, or is the proper move to ship him out? And I, I've been trying to weigh the interests in my head here, and I guess the first thing is, and Laura, you can you know correct me if you think I'm wrong in my assertion here, if they want to keep Jeff Petrie, it likely means David Savard has to go. Joel Edmondson's already out the door. Chris Weidman is the seventh defenseman is irrelevant to this conversation. If they want to keep Jeff Petrie on this roster, they have to ship David Savard out. I think that is the bare minimum, right? Right. And in terms of quality, Jeff Petrie is above David Savard. And David Savard, like God love him. He is good at what he does but he does not provide the same thing that Jeff Petrie does. And to me, I think that's the big key. Um, and it would be a little bit less pressure on Caden Bully to have to carry around his defensive partner. Uh, and I think, you know, David Savard was brought in by a different front office for a different reason, right? Like for whatever reason, Mark Bergevin decided to invest very, very heavily in defensive defensemen. And I think that if you're going to do that, you have to do it with a guy like David Weinbacher. You can't do it with a guy like David Savard. Um, there are two different players from two different eras, and the David Savard type of era is like kind of being phased out in the NHL. So you have to be able to keep up with the times. Um, and I think Jeff Petrie provides a lot more of uh, offensive creativity and a lot more of a boost for uh, for somebody like, let's say, Caden. Let's just say for the sake of argument, somebody like that. Like if you want a veteran to help, uh, to help, your young players around like I don't think you can go too too wrong with somebody who has those instincts who has those offensive creative uh instincts another thing too is that we have to kind of also remember on the on the flip side 
that Jeff Petrie is now an additional year older and he was already getting older when the Canadians renewed his contract a couple of years ago. So I personally think that they will probably be able to trade Petrie a lot easier. So we're not, we're going to see Petrie traded and we're going to see the Savard stay at Montreal for the next year. And my thought with that is that if they're keeping him, where does he slot in in the lineup here? And that's that's where things get a little bit, you know, complicated because I'm looking at the defense. he can't play on the same side, right? Yeah. On the right side, if we are saying that they are keeping Petrie, that David Savard is out of here. On the right side, there's Chris Weidman, likely bound for the AHL or seventh defenseman. Jonathan Kovacevic, who is a right-handed defenseman or right defenseman. Caden Gooley, Justin Barron. Though Gooley and Harris can both play either side. And then Petrie, Matheson's a left defenseman. Jordan Harris can shift over. And then on IR, Arbor Jack, I can play either spot there. And my thought is that do you let, you know, Matheson and Gooley play together and let them cook as your top pairing? That is your top pairing or should be your top pairing or could be your top pairing. And then do you run like a Jordan Harris and Jeff Petrie second pairing that Harris has that stability. And I think a similar play style with the way that he can skate and move the puck, it isn't always flashy, but is very good at distributing the puck. And then you can make a uh, Jack Eye and Baron or Jack Eye Kovacevic third pairing here if you wanted to. It's trying to find that spot there. There's, but it all is encapsulated by you have to move David Savart out if you want to have Jeff Petrie in the lineup here. Jeff Petrie being three years older than David Savard is also blowing my mind because I could have sworn that Savard was older than that, but he's been playing in the league forever too. But on the flip side, I really do think that this is the Canadians are going to probably be trading him. It makes the most sense from what they're doing in this rebuild is that it doesn't take away a lineup spot from someone like Justin Barron or Arbor Jacki or even Kovacevic, who they very clearly like, or other players who are going to be coming up from the AHL or joining in soon. So I, I guess my question is now, Laura, they already retained salary on one player, Joel Edmondson. They have two spots left. Kent Hughes generally doesn't like to retain salary in trades unless he has to, which I think the Edmonton one was a non-factor, but then we saw him with Hoffman and Pitlick retain nothing. Do you think that he'll use one of those spots, which are valuable for a team that's not going to be good going into the deadline? You like having free spots. Edmonton's will be done after the season. If they retain on Petrie, it's two more years of retention, and that's at least one spot tied up there. Do we think that he will retain salary on that? Because I think that's the only way he's going to potentially get this done. He's already cheaper now, but if you knock another 25% off of that 25% that's being retained, you're getting a half price Jeff Petrie at a discounted asking price too. I'm sure the demand isn't super high. Well, that's the problem to me is that the demand isn't high. And I think it's really worth retaining salary. If you're getting something that's going to be beneficial for you in the long run back, so whether it's multiple picks or a prospect that maybe needs a change of scenery or something like that, I'd be willing to do it. But is there a team that's going that's willing to pay for that, even with another 25% knocked off of uh, Jeff Petrie's salary is the question. Like for me, like it is worth retaining salary for another two years if 
you know, at the end of those two years, you have something to show for it. Unlike the Pittsburgh thing where like they don't even have any of the players they got back in the Matheson trade. Right. And they retain salary on one of them. So like, I don't want it to be a situation like that, but if it's something where the Canadians are going to be able to make use out of it in the next couple of years, then absolutely a hundred percent on four retaining salary because also we know the cap's going to go up next year and we also know the canadians are a little bit of a distance away from even becoming a playoff team at this point and 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 i think that's the thing is that because they like their flexibility right now they value that flexibility so so much right now in that you don't want to tie yourself to something longer term that you that you don't have the flexibility going forward. Because next year we know the cap is rising. We know allegedly, allegedly, allegedly the cap is rising. We've been told that for several years in a row. But next year in 2024 is when it is supposed to make that big jump. And if you're a team like the Canadians who want to be on the cusp of being a playoff be, playoff team, being a contending team there, you want to have that ability that, oh, we can add. Savard's contract will be off the books if he's not here. Petrie's contract will have one year left or he will probably be traded because cap space Hoffman's gone. Pitlick's gone. You're going to have, and I'm, let me go back here to the Canadians cap friendly page, but you're going to have the opportunity then to add in here. Uh, let's see here. Sean Monahan will likely be traded. Casey, the Smith will be off of there. Samuel Montebo is UFA. Chris Weidman will be gone. You're in a good spot that you have a lot of this core locked up. And you'll have money to re-sign your important players. It's such an, an it's such a weird spot. Like, I still think that they are absolutely going to trade it because it does make sense for the longevity of the team here. Because coming in on defense, you have Lane Hudson, you have David Reinbacher in the next year. Like, that's that's not a a guess. That is a more than likely thing that will happen. You have Adam Engstrom, you have Logan Mayu, you have players in the AHL. It makes sense from a financial standpoint, they can get under that cap threshold or closer to under that cap threshold, which they've been using carry prices LTIR since, you know, Kent Hughes started. And if you don't have to rely on that, it makes it, it's a lot easier to navigate call-ups and doing stuff and not having a limited pool to work within here. Everything across the board just screams. This is not a long-term thing. He will be gone before long. And I do wonder if he is okay with it. It is, hey, come in, play some games here, and at the trade deadline, we'll retain, get you flipped for teams who might need defense because injuries pile up. Injuries pile up in the preseason. Petrie could play the entire preseason for the Canadians and turn around and all of a sudden, oh, well, Toronto lost six defensemen to getting eaten by raccoons or something like that, and they need a defenseman. That makes sense. The opportunity can arise there. And in our final segment, we've got to tackle the, everyone's favorite part, trade speculation. Where is Jeff Petrie going to potentially end up, and what do we want as a return? We're going to get into all that coming up in our final segment. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. Of course, we are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And now comes the fun part, where we've been discussing the entirety of the Jeff Petrie I don't want to call it a dilemma, but I want to call it a a space, a a thought, a TED talk, I guess, whatever we want to call this. The the overarching thought I think that I've thought and many fans around the league or the Canadians fan base have thought is 
Jeff Petrie is not going to play a game for the Canadians this year. It seems very intent that he is going to get flipped and traded to another team again. We talked about with some salary retention. I am looking at the rosters and the cap space for a lot of these teams here. And the pool for teams that I think would be willing to take on Petrie's contract that have space available is not high. There are two teams that could take him on with no salary retention or or wouldn't need that issue, and that's Chicago and Anaheim, of which I don't think he's going to want to go to Anaheim or Chicago with rebuilding teams. But then there's Nashville, Detroit, Buffalo, and Columbus all in one row there. All that could take on his current contract, but I assume the Canadians would retain a little bit to not eat into that. Detroit came up the last time the Petrie rumors came around, and Laura, we know obviously the Petries are from Detroit. His dad was a famous pitcher for the Tigers. It seems too easy to just go, nope, he's going back to Detroit. He's going to go there, right? It, uh, it does, and honestly, I don't even know if Steve Eiserman would want him there. Uh, to be honest, I like it does make sense to a certain extent, but um, for whatever reason, I'm strongly feeling Carolina. And again, I don't, I don't know how he would feel about that. I here like Car- here's the thing: is Carolina, I could see because good team doesn't have to be the guy on that team, but I know Carolina just if they wanted, you know, Carolina already has a potentially defensively deficient offensive defenseman, two of them actually in Brent Burns and uh, Tony D'Angelo. And they have $920,000 in cap space. Half of their defense is UFA next year. They have Dmitry Orlov signed for two years at 7.7. Jacob Slavin is signed for two more years. Brent Burns is signed for two more years, but Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, Tony D'Angelo, Caleb Jones, and Jalen Chatfield are all UFA after this season. I don't think anyone's on their IR list here unless I missed. Oh, just Andre Svechnikov. So that doesn't matter too much. That's actually not a bad shout in there because on right D, they have Brent Burns, they have Pesci, they have D'Angelo, and Caleb Jones can play both. Jalen Chatfield's a right defenseman. The left side, they're set with Orlov, Slavin, and Shea there. That's not a bad idea, honestly. I'm just curious who the Canadians could take back because their caps, they. Their cap space is not big, and there's not exactly a lot on here I would see that would help them get under that cap bump. Oh, but God, for the some Canadians reason, are getting Brent Burns, aren't they? I here's the thing: is I think Brent Burns he has a he has a modified no trade clause, so I'm pretty sure uh, the Canadians are probably on that list. I know Canadian teams end up on a lot of those lists. I look at Detroit on right D. They have Moritz Sider, who is in the last year of his entry level deal. Gustav Lindstrom, Justin Hall. I didn't know Justin Hall was a, okay, that's Shane Gostaspare and Ben Schrott, who can all play right D or lefty in the later case of those other of those other two players there. I, and I look at some of this and I like, I look at Carolina and I go, I don't even know who I would ask for from that because they need to make the money work. And then another odd thought is what about Nashville? Because Nashville's got the cap space. They are, they're in that weird little spot there. They're kind of loaded up on right defense, though. Jeremy Lozon, Dante Fabro, Alexander Carrier, Luke Shen for three years, and Tyson Berry. But they don't have a lot of help on left defense, which unfortunately doesn't really fit 
what Petrie is looking for. I feel like this is going to be a team that we are not expecting here. I think it's going to be a team in the northern part of the U.S. here. I think Carolina is about as far south as you're going to get, mostly because Tampa Bay can't afford them no matter what. They're $6 million over the cap right now. And I don't think Florida wants a space where they're tempted to just run it back. It feels like out of nowhere, he's going to end up as like a Minnesota Wild or like you said, a Carolina Hurricane. And you and I aren't expecting a lot out of this. They already got a second round pick to take him on. If they got like a third round pick or, you know, something like that in a trade form, are we happy or are we expecting maybe a little bit more out of this then? It depends on the salary retention question, honestly. If they get rid of him and don't retain any salary for a third rounder, I'd be thrilled. And that thing is, it's like, I can see them making this trade without retaining salary. But I also think that to get it done and to clear that cap space, because the Habs are also very over the cap, $5.1 million over the cap right now with a 22 out of 23 man roster. There, there are trades coming. We haven't even talked about like, what are they going to do with Casey to Smith or Jake Allen or anything like that? Because quite frankly, that's a headache that I do not have time for right now. It, <laughs> I can't I wait Minnesota to see this. Wild is a good one. It, it's such a, like, we, we know he wants to be closer to his family in the U.S. I, like, I'm pretty sure that's, like, the part that we know that we have landed on, which is why everyone goes to Detroit first. But Buffalo's got $6 million in cap space. They are over their roster limit right now, and they're loaded on right defense. But at the same time, all their defenses are, oh, well, they're going to be broke as hell next year. Um I'm it's so I'm giddy thinking about a trade that might not even happen. It's very nice to be able to have this debate here. My thought is I'd like to get back, even if it's, you know, a tweener AHL project player or a prospect player, like along the lines of maybe where Rafael Harvey Pinardi Jesse Alonen was last year in return would be great. Am I expecting that though? Maybe not really. And there's also the possibility that the Canadians flip him and then another they're just going to keep flipping Jeff Petrie with, you know, slower incremental amounts of salary retained here. I think as we get closer to camp, we find out which players are healthy, which players are not. We're going to see action pick up on this. And I know I said this last time we recorded an episode. It was great. We did all this coverage and everything. And then all of a sudden, um, well, there's a trade happening now that we have recorded this, it will probably come down the pipeline in rapid succession, which you can thank my my luck for on that. Laura, do you have any parting thoughts before we wrap the show today? Um, honestly, I just don't want them to uh I just I don't want this to turn into a thing where Petrie isn't doing that great in Montreal if he does end up playing here and then the fans just pile on him because I I don't think that he was as bad as anyone thought um over the course of his tenure here. I th- I think he was he just he did not um, get the credit that he deserved if I'm I think that's the best way to phrase that uh, so I feel like if he does stay here even though he's probably taken a step back or two due to age that he does get get given a fair shake by the fans yeah and I would love to have him back everyone knows that I have a, a huge fan of Jeff Petrie on this podcast I may be one of the few left out of the Montreal Canadiens fan base in that my whole thing is like if he plays well his value increases. You as folks should want that, especially with this current team here. We're going to see what happens. We know Kent Hughes is cooking something up his sleeve because he always is. That's what he does. 
And when Kent Hughes finally finishes cooking up this Jeff Petrie trade, wherever that may be, we will have you covered here at Locked On Canadians. If you are following us on the now deceased Twitter X, whatever, you can follow us at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Laura at the Active Stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla. We are in a few other places that we are still figuring out. We haven't set up a podcast account on Threads or Blue Sky yet, just because time. Uh, you can follow us there. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your daily podcast and on YouTube so you never miss any of our videos right in your subscription box at midnight when they go live. Everyone, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you all next time.